Consequence Podcast Network. So say it's, um, you know, a week and a half ago. We're time travelers, right? Um, don't call us heroes. We're legends. And we've time traveled. Um, and it's a week and a half ago. And we have not yet seen the finale of Legends of Tomorrow. How likely would you have been to guess that the climactic scene of the se- the final scene, big, not final scene, hold on, that the climactic scene of this season of Legends of Tomorrow was going to hinge on Bebo. Oh God, maybe zero percent. Yeah, solid zero percent. Yeah. Yeah, I assumed based on the title that there would be something Bebo related, and I knew we were getting Vikings, right? So like the good, the bad, and the cuddly. I thought some Bebo, but never in a million years would I have guessed that it was all going to come down to Bebo. Yeah, like a Transformers fight with Bebo and Malice. That was pretty... Or sorry, Malice. Uh, forgive me. <laughs> An- another great bit. I yeah. therefore posit that everyone who is pretending that Legends of Tomorrow isn't one of the best written shows on TV is wrong. Yes. <laughs> I'm drawing a line in the sand. Welcome to TV Party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Clint. That's Kate. Hi. Um, I guess we should. That was a very drunk cast intro of me. I it guess was. we should say our names. I'm Allison <laughs> Shoemaker, TV editor for Consequence of Sound. I'm Clint Worthington, senior writer for Consequence of Sound. And I'm Kate Kalzik, a podcaster over at the Televerse and contributor to Consequence of Sound. And contributor to Consequence of Sound. And we are here talking about the third season of DC's Legends of Tomorrow for our after party. This week, which is this what the third? Uh, I think so. Yeah, fourth. It's the third ish. Yeah, whatever. Ever since our sort of restructuring, you know, totally. And basically, when we do one of these, it's because we have stuff to talk about that we couldn't fit in the normal episode. Most of the time, it'll be like, "Here's an extended interview," or "Here's whatever." But this time, we were like, "Fuck it, we just have to talk about legends. We cannot turn over an entire episode of." this podcast in a month full of great significant TV in a month where both where Legion's back and Atlanta's on and the Americans is on and Westworld's coming back and like all these huge things are handmaids is about to come back we could not dedicate an hour to legends but I'll be damned if we're not going to (laughs) dedicate some serious time to it and that is why we're living in this loophole right it's a very czary thing of us to do indeed Uh, think of this episode as the fun montage of TV party Well done. So um, Clint suggested, and I think this is a good approach to talking about this, one of the best shows on television. I'm just going to continue throwing superlatives. I don't care. Fuck it. Yeah, do it. It's Wednesday. This is my world. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to suggest that we start by talking about the finale, the good, the bad, and the cuddly, before we get into talking about the season as a whole. Because I, honest to God, and I'm this is not hyperbolic, I think that it... This season cements it as easily the best of this the Arrowverse shows, the most consistent of the Arrowverse shows, and one of the best superhero shows ever. Am I being too hyperbolic? Uh, no. Uh, I'm completely inclined to agree. It was so so fantastic that that finale. 
I, I haven't been surprised by something like the Bebo reveal in a really long time in a way that delighted me. You know, not in the Game of Thrones, shocker, my favorite character is dead. But no, shocker, this hilarious blue cuddly thing is going to turn into a Voltron and uh, that they literally call a Voltron and defeat a giant CGI bat uh, and save the day. And that's exactly, I didn't know I needed that in my life, but I have it and I'm forever grateful. Kate, what do you think? <laughs> Too hyperbolic? I If you're saying the whole run of the show... Versus the whole run of all the other superhero shows. I mean, I st- still Jessica Jones, and then yes, if absolutely. it's and and then like there's some contention for Luke Cage for me too. If we're just talking about the CW shows, I think you know Supergirl's in the mix. Basically, the first season's real bad, guys. First season yeah. really <laughs> yes. drags down oh, the absolutely. average. Um, but I do think that you know the. the the, something this is something we've talked about before, but the trend of the show being so confidently up, up, up is a wonderful change of pace from a lot of the other superhero shows on TV right now, and uh, certainly something that has been just made this show the most fun to watch. Like when I go to my DVR, I always go to Legends first if there's one on there. Uh, we've mentioned this in previous discussions too, but Legends seems to be like the fun repository, and to a certain extent, Supergirl too. But I mean, Arrow from its beginning by design has been kind of dour and it's very self-serious flash we start started out being the fun alternative to arrow but then sort of got mired in its own drama and so it feels like legends of tomorrow is the place where you kick back and have fun absolutely there i um was at c2e2 i don't god time is a flat circle a couple of weekends ago (laughs) and i was uh able to watch it like a short conversation between katie lots and uh, Brandon Routh and Dominic Purcell. Uh, and they all talked about, first of all, about being really proud of this season in particular and feeling like they hit their stride, but about how much they enjoy getting scripts because they know it's going to be ridiculous. Like every time they open one of the scripts, when it gets to them, it's like a joy because they've got no idea what's coming. All they know is that it's going to be absolutely ludicrous and that that's a unique experience for them in their acting lives. And I think that's so cool to be in a situation where your work environment is great. Now I get to be chased by a giant rat or like, great, we're about to Voltron into a cuddly knock tickle me elmo knockoff like that what a joy and it made me really glad for those people that they take such obvious pleasure in making the show well yeah and it's something that is it's it's hard to do uh to, to you know there are plenty of people who would see, be in that situation and be frustrated or be exacerbated by it uh and just not appreciate that and the reason the show works so well is because this is the cast that's super game and ready to have fun and embrace the campy and the cheesy and the ridiculous there are lots of shows out there that have tried to be like just a light you know poof ball of of tv and super fun and and addictive and and the kind of thing that everybody just wants to sit down and watch together but very few of them do it very well and i you know i've I've talked about this before but i would point to you know point to a souffle or point to um a macaron like any anything that's really light that you're trying to make it, it's actually very complicated chemistry to make it all come together in the right way so that it works. It's very easy to screw up something like this. And so <laughs> the fact that it is ridiculous and silly and and fun and not weighty most of the time does not take away from what an accomplishment it is. And I, it's something that I always get you know, frustrated um, talking with people about, like, what's the best 
show on TV, what's the best, you know, most interesting, memorable fill in the blank, it's always, it tends to be like these really serious, really dour, really dramatic shows that people think of, or what are the great performances, but comedy is harder than drama most of the time, guys, and and doing something the way that they do over here on Legends is not something, it's, it's not easy. It takes a lot of craft and skill and just the right, you know, balancing of all the different elements to, to have it come together in this wonderful way. I enjoy thinking of Legends of Tomorrow as the macaron of the Arrowverse. I like the souffle because then there are these moments where Legends like purposefully <laughs> deflates the action, right? Like where they just fail. So then it's like the souffle would fall, but then you'd make a new souffle. Like I feel like that's a really apt. So like when they're trying to make Voltron and that like creepy, gross monstrosity oh, comes oh, man. out, right? That's a that's a souffle that falls. It's my favorite yeah. part of the episode. I just it's it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> to me, it feels more like instead of making a new souffle when it deflates, they just like grab an air pump and just like jam it into the souffle and just start pumping until it like lifts back up. Delicious. Yes. (laughs) So let's talk about this finale because obviously there are a lot of really big moments and I'm curious what stuck out to you as being most interesting, most successful. And then like, there are some plot twisty things we should obviously talk about. Um, But yeah, who wants to go first? Clint, you go first. Uh, Sure. So uh, I think the biggest uh, status quo change comes right in the opening minutes where right almost before the first act is done, we've lost one of the major characters from the first season, which is Rip Hunter. And uh, in a way, like once you notice that it's happening, it completely makes sense. I mean, Arthur Darville, ever since the first season, has taken a reduced role in the show. To a certain extent, uh, not that he's above it, but you know he's a bigger star, and I think he he has you know splitting time between this and West End shows. So it felt like, especially with his reduced presence in the third season as a whole, even though I was grateful that they found the right balance, like using him just enough, this allowed for a decent close to his character without having to constantly worry in future seasons about what are they going to do with Rip. Yeah, Rip the character doesn't work on the show the way that it's you know, morphed, I think. Like, in small doses, absolutely, but week to week, the character has been established as as very earnest and serious um, and and even intense at times. So he doesn't, it doesn't work for him to be on the show week to week. Um, when he was, like, fighting the bureaucracy at the Time Bureau or whatever, that could kind of work. But you know, he's he's serious guy. So it's not going to work as regular presence on the show. So this was a good way to deal with that. I think Arthur Darville would have been just fine. But the, the way they conceived Rip in season one, like, you're kind of locked into that. So uh, the, the ways that they started just like, well, Rip, isn't working we'll bring in evil rip <laughs> that would yeah. our third level okay we'll bring in alt reality rip okay we'll do this those are very creative things that they were able to do over the course of the especially the second uh, second half of the first but second and the beginning of the third season but this is a better solution they can always you know they can always find out that he didn't actually die he just got sent into a pocket dimension or and bring it back if they want to but um this was a power like an affecting and and i think well-written and executed send-off for the character I agree. And on top of that, it's also, it feels really final, but is one of the most transparent examples of, but we didn't see a body I've ever seen, right? (laughs) Like we don't even see him in pain or anything. Like there's not, they couldn't have left the door more open, but at the same time, it feels like an ending. And I really appreciate that balancing act. Yeah. Totally. Uh, let's see what else I mean he wasn't the only major character to finally get offed more or less quote unquote and that's Damien Dark uh, which was I I was a little less satisfied with the way he goes out I mean I guess it makes sense but as a moment in the episode it felt abrupt like I was like oh did that mean he died okay 
Yeah, I needed him to be dead though. Like they, <laughs> I needed, I needed them to not stretch out um, Sarah not killing him for as long as they would have yeah. to. Like we, we couldn't buy her not killing him. Right, like she's not killed him so many times <laughs> that, that yeah. it, you know they were already stretching things, and so then to make him the you know the season long antagonist and you know malice uh, malice is obviously the the actual big bad or whatever, but he's been the face for the season, and uh, to keep rubbing salt in that wound over the past several episodes, like he needed to go. So I thought this was a good way. Again, I thought it was a good way to do it. Yeah, I wish that the the actual moment had had like a little more sting on it, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you go about getting that really, um, because it had to happen quickly, and they couldn't like he couldn't have a moment with Nora about it really because once the transfer happened, that was it. Um, it feels like the right story ending, absolutely, and maybe the only slightly off moment to me in an episode that I thought was pretty freaking great. Um, I cannot wait to talk more about Damien Dark and Neil McDonough when we're talking about the season as a whole because, God, I thought he was just oh, terrific. Yeah. And the only time that that character has ever really worked in the Arrowverse, and it's sort of in with the... Um, the Legion of Doom, it worked, and that, I think, is where they found the tone. But the the balance of like Damien Dark kind of needing family therapy and taking advantage of these <laughs> hapless nice people being held captain for him was just inspired. But I absolutely agree, Kate, that it is implausible to think that Sarah Lance would continue to let this guy live for basically any longer than he did. Yeah. I totally Sarah, agree. You know, Sarah Lance, she's badass. Yeah, they've, they've sanded off those edges, but they like to break. Like, and if they didn't keep playing the "you killed my sister" card, then maybe they we could kind of forget. But they they weren't going to do that, so this is good. She's forgotten she has a father. At least she doesn't forgotten that she had a sister. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Kate, what about you? What other moments did really worked for you in this finale? I just keep going back to the abomination they create the first time. <laughs> and it's just so funny. And they immediately torch it. And it's such a perfect, de- you know, deflation of what you're expecting, you know, you know, like what you think will happen in this big moment. It makes sense that it was too early in the episode, so it couldn't work. Right. But um, the, the fact that they go straight ridiculous comedy for it, you know, in such a different way than they go comedy at the end. Um works really, really well and is delightful. And and then let's, you know, let's really decide our, you know, they could have gone either way after that. They could have either gone with, no, we do need the actual correct bearers. And that's why we brought back Jax and we brought back the other people. They're going to be the totem bearers. Or they could have done what they did, which was like, no, we just need to actually, you know, like, guys, we really have to try. <laughs> we weren't really trying that time. When all um, those fails, always go Bebo. Yeah, always got Bebo. Um, it's, and it's just such a different way to go than the, the giant Bebo. And it, it it's so fun. And I love that the show did that. It's just, that's going to be, I'm going to remember that, <laughs> whatever prop or whatever that was, and everybody's reactions to it, <laughs> like long after I forget most, most of the other stuff that went down in this episode. True. Um, well, you mentioned the, the, other the, the sort of the guest actors too because this is another way in in terms of a season finale it felt 
not anticlimactic, but it felt like a smaller scale episode than I would expect of something so huge, you know, the culmination of the season. But they did find ways to revisit those things like with uh, previous characters, like bringing Jax back and uh, bringing back Kawasa, but like a corrected timeline Kawasa where she's a vixen. And, uh, and then, but the best part is bringing back Helen of Troy, who is now a, a Themyscirin Amazon. Uh, and she was amazing in those fight sequences. Yeah, it was really fun. I was so glad to see Jax back in particular. Um, but the idea that like, it really is like they threw the whole season in a blender and all we were missing was an ABBA performance, which I swear to God, halfway through, I was like, they've done everything else. Like we need, all we need is an ET reference and some ABBA and they will have checked almost every box in this whole season. Um, obviously there was no way for them to bring Victor Garber back. He left the show for professional reasons and has obligations charming people nightly on Broadway now, eight times a week or whatever. Um, but it was really nice to see the story connect and to see that Jack's first, like had a place on the team, even without being firestorm. And second, that he found this happiness in his life. Um, it would be great if the show found a way to sort of revisit him every once in a while and have him come along for the occasional adventure. There's certainly, or even just pop up when they need some like counseling, you know, when, when you don't have Barack Obama <laughs> around to, to help you get your head on straight, you can go talk to Jax. I think that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I miss you. <laughs> Maybe there's a mechanical problem that only Jax can fix and they just have to park the wave rider outside his house. Oh, you know what else we haven't talked about about this finale that I just loved? I am hardcore shipping Zari and Jonah Hex. I'm so <laughs> into it. I love it. I'm like, I'm very Avalanche too. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm into the Sarah and Ava thing. And I thought that was a lovely resolution. And I'm so excited that she's joining as a series regular next year. Like that's amazing. Um, and I loved the, the odd Gary Constantine bond. I'm really into whatever is happening there, (laughs) but there was something about the Zari Jonah Hex thing that just filled me with delight. I think because it finally gave Jonah Hex something to do. He's been on the show twice already and I feel like they really haven't used him all that well. Yeah, I definitely forgot that he was on the show. That is how, um, I think ineffectively they've used him so far. Totally. Well, I had trouble remembering like that. We had been to that town before, you know, <laughs> like, to, right. to that point. It just felt more like, oh, yeah, everybody looks great in a duster and a hat. So we're going to do a Western show. I'm sure. Why not? Like, yeah. felt like the well, Wally reason. loves wearing those clothes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, great. and he was rocking them. Let's be honest. He was. True. Definitely. He looked good and he knew it. Uh, have either of you seen Love, Simon yet? No. No. I need. I still need to. I mean, he's playing a high school student in that, so I feel weird saying that he's real good looking in that movie, but he's real good looking in that movie. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Whatever. He's an adult. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, all good. it's fine. It's fine. Is there anything else we want to say about this finale before we start talking about the season as a whole? I like that it bookends with another Aruba visit. Yeah. So the season begins and ends with Aruba. Like I said, season in a blender, and it was such a nice, like, exciting ending um like a great way to tease season four yeah i was into it also it made me want to go on vacation <laughs> yeah lord knows we need one now i have a question about the impact of this finale how does this finale work with the rest of the Arrowverse and with the timeline because we've seen barry and oliver interact with the other vixen so is that now kuasa is their timeline been changed again the way Flashpoint changed Arrow's timeline? Oh, with, yeah. You know, Dickel's kid. 
And when Jax mentions like, oh, it's been seems like no time for you guys, but it's been five years for me. Does that mean that it's been five years for the rest of the Arrowverse? Or <laughs> can he be like, hey, everything's fine now? Yeah, like, like how do you, how does this stuff? Am I the only one thinking about this? Is basically my question. Maybe. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you were. Um, yeah. I will say specifically with the vixen, vixen, there's a line about how they're sharing the totem now. So I think there is still okay. like that's they, how they get around Mari. Yeah, right. So they are both now. It's two good guys instead of one good guy. She gets it every other week. Sometimes they split Sundays. But I just, I think that the Legends writers have a better sense than the other Arrowverse shows of when to invoke the stuff that help happens elsewhere in this world and when not to. Because it's like, so I write about Arrow for the AV Club, which is having a not great season. It had it started sort of an upward trajectory, came off of... Um, the previous season on Kind of a High Note, and then they got Michael Emerson, which, holy crap, and then he left um, in a, what is obviously much earlier than he was supposed to, and they have not recovered from it at all, and they're flailing, and it's not great, Bob. But things keep happening where I'm like, okay, all of this could be solved if, say, they got Cisco to zap them over to Supergirl's Earth and borrowed Martian Manhunter for a minute. Or, oh, that why hasn't anybody called Cisco? Why hasn't anybody consulted with literally anyone else in the world? And when they do, it'll be like a passing reference to something that happened on The Flash a year and a half ago that no one will remember. And I think that's pretty... Supergirl pretty much stands alone. Obviously, so does Black Lightning, which is not technically part of the Arrowverse. But, um, but Legend seems to know like which bags of tricks are the most entertaining. And I don't think continuity is one of them. I think they're (laughs) super uninterested in lining up with what else is going on, unless it will make for a really bonkers story. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the legends were easily the best part of the crossover. Am I wrong? No, you're not. You're completely correct. Um, Well, I think because they, that show started as such, like, I think Jacob in an earlier episode called it the bench of the Arrowverse. There's that much cross pollination. So they, feel free to take from the other shows as they like, but you know, also they, they can be divorced from it. And I think the writers have found the right balance of like, just saying, yeah, uh, fuck the continuity. Let's just do something really wacky. All right. Well then let's talk about the season as a whole. Yeah. Um, yes. so to sort of structure this, I thought we're I'm p- putting these guys mostly on the spot. Um, we could share some favorites, like our pick for the best episode or pick for the MVP or pick for whatever. So maybe the easiest thing to do is to start with your pick for the best episode of the season or your favorite. Take whichever appeals. Um, Kate, we already know what yours is because you were the first person to answer this before we decided to expand it. So what is your pick for the best episode of Legends of the season? I don't know if it's the best, but the one that immediately came to my mind is No Country for All Dads because it's just so fun. It's It's ridiculous. And it's so fun. It's it's so fun. I think it's a great choice. Um, Certainly the best wig of the season. Mm -hmm. Like that. I still can't believe that that's where they went for their reference. It just makes me so happy. (laughs) Like there's a show in the Arrowverse that was like, I know. Let's go with a Coen Brothers movie. Let's make that happen. Um, Clint, what about you? I think I'm going to have to go with Here I Go Again. I just think it was a great 
reset for the show uh, after you know the the big events of Crisis on Infinite on Infinite Earth or whatever, uh, Crisis on Earth X, I suppose, and uh, and then the new direction the show is taking, and it was just a fun little bottle episode. We got to learn more about a relatively new character who hadn't quite found her footing yet, and it just gave everyone a, a nice. It was a nice palate cleanser for I guess the rest of the season. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's pretty much perfect. That would probably also have been my pick, but in the interest of shaking things up, I'm going to do kind of a tie um, and shout out two episodes that I think are incredibly well-made and ambitious that aren't maybe quite as fun, um, but that do some just wackadoo things. So uh, that would be Phone Home from really early in the year when they have to save baby Ray Hmm. and... um, Oh, sweet baby Ray. And his adorable, uh, potentially lethal alien friend, um, also tying into the crossover. Uh, And then, um, you know, he's got a hot mom and all of that stuff. Uh, And guest starring John Noble, uh, it of the best episode title I've ever seen, and the John Noble guest star turn, (laughs) 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 which is just nuts. I still can't believe they did that. Um, So that's like... Four solid contenders, like easily argued contenders for best episode of the year in a, in a series that when it first started airing, I would think, oh, that was an okay scene and that would be a victory. <laughs> totally, yeah. yeah. They've, come, they've come a long way, yeah. All right, what about like a, like a most memorable or best beloved scene or moment? Clint had one for this. I mean, I think I can always default to the fun montage from Here I Go Again, once again, because it wasn't just a great comedic scene on its own. Um, It has those meta trappings of it being deliberately a thing that the character is doing with their Groundhog Day moment that was someone else told them to do. Like at the end of the montage, uh, she goes to Nate and she's like, oh, did you do that? Yeah, the fun montage. It was a great little button for just a really wacky scene complete with cue cards and, you know, messing around with people on the Wave Rider. And it's just really, really fun. Kate, what about you? I got two came to mind. First of all, drunk karaoke. Yeah. Because I'm always going to appreciate yes. that. Um, <laughs> and just like the rocket fuel that it takes to get Wally drunk is fun. Um, <laughs> and then I'm going to shout out to Bebo God of War and just like the reveal that he is now there. deity (laughs) the viking deity (laughs) was just wonderful to that same episode just real quick it's not a favorite scene but one of my favorite moments is in the very beginning in the flashback when he has to get the bebo doll and he grabs the bow and arrow and really quickly the arrow theme plays (laughs) (laughs) that was beautiful yeah it's um i think that episode is such a nice tribute to a character that's not on the show anymore in a way that they didn't have to do you know but i love that like Legends decided to do this Bebo episode and chose to let these people sort of explore their grief in the process. It's just really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to go with the fight on the rooftop from No Country for Old Dads. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fun bit of business. When, um, yeah, it just the idea, like the, the comedy hijinks and this really high stakes battle and that in it you find yourself rooting for the people who are ostensibly the villains of the season, like rooting really hard for them to figure it out and for this woman to like get in touch with her inner demon basically so that she can survive it's it's um paradoxical in what it accomplishes and um just thinking about it makes me giggle and also that wig and like 
dark versus dark versus dark. That's a delight. That's wonderful. <laughs> and you throw Ray Palmer in the mix and everything gets a little sillier. And yeah, pretty great. Um, Another shout out to the upswipes moment. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's just, it's more intuitive, Kate. You're, you're right. You know, I think it is. Let's, let's try the other way. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a great running gag, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. What about an MVP? Lots of candidates here, um, both on and off the team. Uh, I will accept ties if you have to, because you've got lots of options. Anybody have thoughts? This is not in the spirit of the thing, but for me, the clear MVP is whoever was coming up with the titles this year. Because you already <laughs> mentioned guest starring John Noble, but they're all amazing. I love all this. It's like props to the, the writer writer's room for just like nailing it with the titles. Yes, yeah, necromancing the stone. Yeah. I mean, come on. Helen Hunt. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good list. Let's, in fact, just just for posterity... Some of these are not great, but some of them are. Arubicon, <laughs> funny. Freak yeah. show, pretty boring. Zari, very straightforward. Phone home is nice. Return of the Mac is delicious. That's a great <laughs> one. Helen Hunt, Welcome to the Jungle, Crisis on Earth X Part 4, whatever that's boring. Bebo the God of War, Daddy <laughs> Darkest. <laughs> Here I go again, the curse of the earth totem, whatever, that's boring. No country for old dads, amazing grace, necromancing the stone, I, Ava, I love that one, <laughs> guest starring John Noble and the good, the bad, and the cuddly. So yes, uh, really, really good pick. Um, what about you, Clint? Oh, let's see, MVP. It's so tough because I, I think I'm really tempted to go Damien Dark just because I really feel like he Do got... It. Fine, I will. Um, Damien <laughs> Dark. Neil McDonough just really got to let loose uh, with a character who's been, you know, varying levels of irreverent throughout his time in the Arrowverse. Like, it didn't really work on Arrow, but in the Legion of Doom, I think he found a bit of his footing. And like you said, I think they really... Uh, honed in on that and they're like let's just run with this for a whole third season and they just he got to do so much more than he than they ever really asked him to before and uh yeah it was just a delightful performance i enjoyed being around a good fun scenery chewing villain like for the first time in a little while and yeah it's just so much fun uh to see him work and you can tell he's having a blast it's a an impressive performance because he manages to make it so grounded too. Like it's absolutely ridiculous, silly fun. Definitely. But, um, I think about like those therapy scenes where I was, where he just wants to figure it out. He's got some stuff he's going through and he plays it so honestly and sincerely and his reversal in, um, the penultimate episode of the season in guest starring John Noble is played really sincerely. He just does a great job. He had a difficult task and Neil McDonough had a difficult task and just absolutely nailed it. So I think that's a great pick. Well, thank you. <laughs> you know, I feel like I have to pick Katie Lots, and I am going to pick Katie Lots. Don't get me wrong. I can't wait to talk about Katie Lots in a second. I'll say Katie Lots's name again. Uh, she's pink hair right now. It's amazing. But <laughs> I want to tip my hat to Brandon Ruth, who is just so delightful. And I think now that they've figured out how to make it so that Ray Palmer and Nate Haywood do not seem like the same person anymore, um, <laughs> they really were able to uh, write some really terrific, fun, light, honest, emotionally available stuff for him. Um, plus, I imagine he just had a really great time working with his wife, who would also, in my opinion, be a pretty solid contender for an MVP of the season. Um because I thought Courtney Ford was just really great as Nora. 
But yeah, I'm, I mean, I have to pick Sarah Lance. Every once in a while, I go onto the old Twitter and I do an updated ranking of the best characters in the Arrowverse. And uh, it's basically like the number one person, which I mean, spoiler, it's Sarah Lance, followed by the Danvers sisters, but maybe now it's Anissa from Black Lightning. And then, so those probably switch. And then Cisco, and then everyone else. Now I would probably put Ray Palmer in there. And then the Hawk people. (laughs) (laughs) um, It's just like, that is the layout. But I think that they did such a good job figuring out what works about this character, building a show on which she would succeed, and then adjusting when it was obvious that she was what was working best about it. And that's still true, right? She is often Mm -hmm. instrumental to moving the plot forward. She is obviously a gifted physical performer and all of her fight shit works like crazy. Um, Because I'm sure that she's got a stunt performer in for her sometimes, but often she doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like really, really good stuff. And then on top of that, she's just got that, the wry delivery down pat. She is... Perhaps not the funniest character on Legends, but its most reliable source of well-delivered punchlines. Totally. And even independent of the fight stuff, just even that wire work that we talked about before yeah. with necromancing the stone, it's just sort of like, it's such a small thing, but when you're watching it, you you sort of clock the amount of physical control and strength you have to have in order to even pull off this really practical stuff. Yep. Sarah Lance, Death Witch. I'm so into it. <laughs> Coming soon to the CW. <laughs> I mean, she is the show. Yeah. It's just, it's it's that. She is the show. And uh, Katie Lotz's performance is terrific. Uh, just, and it has been as long as she's been in the Arrowverse. She was, fe- we talked about this, with, we talked about Mad Men, but she was fabulous on Mad Men too. Um, but the the strengths of that character are the strengths of the show. And she is that sarcastic, fun, dry grounding center that lets everybody else orbit around and be different flavors without her the show doesn't work um and that, that's why when they try to make rip the captain it was like mm, this is cute but then why is sarah there uh and the show works infinitely better when she's the captain yeah that was one of the best decisions season two made was to push her to the forefront as, as opposed to being one person in an ensemble yeah yeah, and so I, I think that that really steered the ship, no pun intended, uh, into a really good direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's the best. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Like, and uh, any gif of her like winking or sneering or snarling <laughs> or anything, I immediately just want to use it for all the things. Absolutely. Uh, uh, there... Kate, what's your pick? Yeah, no, she picked episode. Two oh, she did. Unless I'm you want to, do you want to pick? Oh, a, I can. An actor I can too? pick a cast too. I yeah. will just and just say that I I wholeheartedly agree. They did such terrific character work in the second half of the season. Like for me, the first half is okay, but the second half is where everything really kicked into gear. And it was because they identified some of their issues around you know like Ray and Nate feeling very very similar and totally under you being totally underused developing a uh, Rory even more and in more interesting ways giving Zari several episodes to to really establish herself in the group and kind of skip forward some time so that we could buy it too with the time loop episode the um this cast at the end of the season is much stronger and like not just the the performances but the writing they've really differentiated and found interesting like spaces for each of the, the cast members at the end of the season in a way that they hadn't at the beginning of the season. Um, but cast member, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go 
just it's just a one episode appearance, but I really thought that Constantine was great. Like bringing him in um, was so much fun, and I'm really excited. I mean, like obviously we were also very excited about Ava being, you know, fully on board next season as well. And Avalanche has been a terrific thread to the season, but I'm really excited about you know the levels of snark and and just ma- bringing magic in with a group of so many with so many scientists. I think is gonna be interesting and fun, and I get to hear more harpsichords, so that's good too. Right. Well, and it feels like such a redemption, too, because he had his own show and it only lasted one season. It's like it feels like the only CW, only Arrowverse show to get canceled. And so now he has this second life in this other show, which is really cool. And that show was not very good, in my opinion. I've watched too much of it. I know I know there are people who really liked it, but it was not for me. Well, maybe it's a Hulk scenario where he functions better as a supporting player in an ensemble. Mm hmm. Um, I was going to say, like, in terms of characters, if I didn't pick Damien, I was also torn between Constantine and Wally West, who, who they yeah. really found a really good use for in totally. the second half of this season. They did more with him in, like, seven episodes of and this show Flash than they did didn't. All. Exactly. <laughs> it's wild. It's like, I don't I don't know what this alchemy is, but it, they just it's like they're saying, give me your tired, your poor underused actors and <laughs> let me figure out why it is that you couldn't write for them because Wally is more charming in that drunk karaoke scene than he ever is in the flash and it's not the actor's fault you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah it's, at all. he's a he is a delight um as this proves so I'm super glad that other final thoughts on legends before we retire it for a sad several months I'm going to miss this show Me too. very much. Yeah. Oh. I just, I still find it really surprising. I was talking to, um, and God, I guess yesterday, maybe it was Monday again, time is a flat circle, um, to my partner about what we were going to watch on TV while we were eating, while we were eating dinner, which is always pretty contentious because I have to watch so much shit for work and he just wants to watch the things he wants to watch. And then I'm ahead or I'm behind or whatever. And the one thing that we could reliably plan on just watching together every week was legends because we both love it. And he was like, and we were sitting there and he was like, I'm just really sad that legends isn't on. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I mean, I guess we could rewatch one, but I don't really want to do that. Let's just put on ES. PN and I was like, oh, whatever, fine. <laughs> and this is a good time to talk about the show too, because the third season just dropped on Netflix, so people can revisit it now. If even mm-hmm. if they don't have the CW app or whatever, yeah, yeah and they should, they should. If you've been yeah. sleeping on fun. it, most of the time I'm not a huge proponent of the just skip the first season thing. Like I know people say that about Parks and Rec, but I I think you should suffer through the not so great parts of Parks and Rec because some of it's important. People sometimes say that about the West Wing, which I find really baffling. Do not skip the first season of the West Wing. That That's insane. You're insane. Don't do that. Um, but this one, you just go ahead and skip the first season. Read the Wikipedia entry. You won't, you'll miss like two good fights. Am I wrong? I think you just skip it, right? Tonally, it's basically a different show. And from what I remember, the first episode of the second season basically offers this soft introduction to the whole team anyway. So it's fine. It's a good entry point. So yeah, skip the Hawk people. Is anyone else besides me glad that they didn't bring the Hawk Hawk people back for like the cavalry that shows up? Very, very glad. The less seen, the better. Yeah. Yeah. Just go away. That was never going to happen. Do you guys have any thoughts on um, Maya being written out? I assume she's now out, right? Except for the occasional. I think like, I heard she's coming back. Up. Yeah. So I Seriously? saw. 
I'll have to find a confirmation somewhere, but uh, she is not off the show. Um, they did not say how they're bringing her back or when they're bringing her back. I assume that will be some sort of plot point uh, next season. But yeah, she's not gone. Oh my! See, because I, I again, I appreciate the performance by the end. I think she was much more uh, effectively incorporated, and um, the, just once they got out of the the loop of defining her and Nate solely by their relationship, it was much better for the show overall. But I like y'all wrote yourself into a corner. It's too late. You, you, you <laughs> she's like, got to die. She yeah. No, she's got to be gone so that she can yeah. be having her family and being like fulfilling the timeline. You can't spend like they spent a whole season subverting that and getting away from that. But like the expiration date is here, guys. And they can't do it again. If they bring her back, they have to do it again. Yeah. 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 That pirate episode did wonders for sort of rehabilitating her character and letting her have a bit of fun, especially in a season that is so steeped in the totem mythology. And so she's sort of stuck giving all that exposition. But uh, yeah, other than that, like I feel like of the ensemble, she maybe is one of the least well utilized. So Mm -hmm. I hope they bring her back for a good reason. I'm not sure what the plot mechanics will be, but at this point, the Legends writers have earned so much goodwill from me that I cannot imagine they won't find a way to bring her back that won't be uh, comically awkward and narratively satisfying. Like, I, I would be willing to put money definitely on the first one. The second one, I'm not really a gambling person, but... Um, <laughs> I they seem to know how and when to course correct in a way that's really delightful. Hence, no hawk people. Yep, it's true. <laughs> I'm still people. skeptical. We will the see. Hawk people. I suggest if you have, I mean, never mind. That's a stupid thing to say. There is no way that somebody is listening to this episode in its entirety if they haven't watched the show. So let me just say to <laughs> yeah. all of you who are watching the show and thus listening, just like I, I, it's not in cancellation danger because it's already renewed right um Mm. but the arrowverse shows eventually things are just gonna go and obviously ratings also play a role in how much money they get and stuff so just tell your friends to watch this dumb show it's really i think it's really special i honestly think it's really special we're working on this dream emmy ballot piece that's going to run on the site sometime next month and it's not going to happen but there's part of me that wants to put neil mcdonough on there like sincerely i want to put neil mcdonough on i'm guessing he would be guest actor i don't think he's in quite enough to be considered supporting and he's not a series regular so i'm guessing he'd be guest actor um just because I, people dismiss genre shows and it's a, obviously it's more likely to be somebody from legion or something like that but um i but i sincerely would consider it and that is not something that you hear much about these dc tv shows there's no comparison in my brain i would so much rather watch uh, legends than legion it's not even close <laughs> Legions of Tomorrow? I no, mean, don't Legends do that. Is definitely yes. more fun. Legion has plenty of good qualities to recommend it, but uh, Legends is absolutely more fun. And I, it's got, it's got heart. You know what I mean? It's got moxie. It's just, <laughs> it's try, it's trying really hard, and it's succeeding at doing exactly what it wants to do. Right. And there's there's there should be room on TV for something as popcorny as this, you know, and I don't think we should be ashamed in liking it, too. Yeah, I'm. Oh, I'm not. I'll tell you. No, of course. I'm right. No guilty in this pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. No guilt at all. 
there are I, I have guilty pleasure TV shows. I am not sure whether or not Kate has checked out Deception yet, but I'm not even <laughs> sure that I would even really call that a pleasure. I'm just guilty. <laughs> She's watching it out of morbid fascination for me at this point. Yeah, but I am watching. Instinct, I'm watching. Guilty, but this is just a pleasure. That feels like a pretty good place to end. Anything else? Any final thoughts before we go on our way? I love that in the revised timeline where rock and roll is dead, Mick's uh, rat changes his name to Josh Groban. And (laughs) also that Damien Dark at some point says the line, I'm going to kick my ass. Yeah, Um, (laughs) Just a delightful show. Yeah. Well, that is going to do it for this after party edition of TV Party. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter at TV Party COS, on Facebook at facebook.com slash TV Party Pod. And if you have questions, comments, concerns, thoughts about Bebo, you can reach us at TV Party at consequenceofsound.net. You can find me personally at Allison Shoe and on a bunch of other podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter at Alka Hollywood, including a bunch of other podcasts as well. And you can find me on Twitter at The Televerse, which is my other podcast. Yes. <laughs> so much podcast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. <laughs> you can leave us a review on iTunes, Podchaser, Google Play Music, whatever your podcast platform of choice may be. TV Party is a production of the Consequence Podcast Network. Check out our expanding roster of music, film, and television podcast programming at consequenceofsound.net. This show is recorded and produced in Chicago, Illinois, and recorded and engineered by the Bebo-loving Clint Worthington. Bebo on couple. Oh, boy. Uh, thank you to Kate for being here. Thank you to Legends for Existing. And thanks to you all for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>